Special thanks to our promotional partners at the American Philatelic Society. The APS is the largest stamp collecting organization in the world, supporting collectors of any level worldwide. For more information about membership and APS services, visit stamps.org. Hi, I'm Michael Cortese of Noble Spirit in Pittsfield, New Hampshire. And I'm Charles Epting of H.R. Harmer in New York City. And this is Conversations with Philatelists. So, Michael, our guest today is someone we've been emailing with quite a bit uh, the last week or so, um, which we'll get to more in the interview because I think this is a very exciting development yeah. um, for our podcast. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, but but uh, to, to, for starters, uh, Matt Hill mm-hmm. is the editor of Stamp Collector Magazine, yeah. which is a uh, very prominent uh, sort of generalist philatelic publication in the United Kingdom. Um, and and uh, we're going to be talking with him today about his journey with the magazine, what it is the magazine includes, because I think that'll be interesting to a lot of our mm-hmm. U.S.-based listeners. I say U.S.-based listeners as if we're not both <laughs> sitting in the U.S. right now. Um, but I, I think this will be interesting to hear you know, what it's like to run a, uh, a magazine in the uh, United Kingdom. Yeah. And sort of compare that, you know, we talked to Wayne Youngblood, who's uh, the editor of a number of U.S. publications. We've talked to other people who have their hand in publishing in the U.S. And I think that'll be a lot of fun to hear about. So um, Matt Hill is going to be our guest. And again, this is someone we've emailed with a lot, mm-hmm. um, but I don't believe either of us have ever spoken to him, which is, uh, which nope. is I think, going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it a lot. He reached out to us and uh, with an opportunity that we'll discuss later in the Episode, yeah, I'm excited I'm sure. we can mention this because this is something yeah. that since you mentioned it to me about a month ago, three weeks ago or so, mm-hmm. I've been really excited about. Yeah. And uh, and again, to, to finally be able to discuss that with with Matt is, uh, is is really great. So what do you say we bring him in? Yeah, absolutely. Let's. Uh, here we go. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for uh, joining us. Oh, no. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Do you mind just talking a little bit about uh, what it is you do at Stamp Collector Magazine and the All About Stamps website? Sure, okay. Um, so I'm the editor and also the associate publisher of Stamp Collector and the website. So um, to give you a little bit of history, um, I actually joined as the editor 14 years ago. I think it was actually 14 years wow. ago this week. Wow. So um, you'd think I'd, I'd uh, be good at it by now. But, you know. <laughs> um, so so it was originally called Stamp and Coin Mart back then, um, and it covered coins as well. Um, but since then, it's kind of evolved over time. And probably about two or three years ago now, we split the coins out. So we have a different magazine called Coin Collector, and we have Stamp Collector. So um, obviously, as the editor, it's my job to put it all together every month. Um, you know, work with contributors, different organisations, societies, um, organisations like the British Library, um, who have a really big philatelic collection. Uh, I don't know if you guys have, have seen it in London. No, yeah, that's, that's no, on my, uh, yeah. That's on my yeah. list. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because um, obviously the British Library is a, it's a big building. You kind of walk in and there's a cafe and people sat everywhere and on their laptops and all along this wall, there's these frames of philatelic material and people just walk past them. So there's all these treasures right there. Just It's just a, a couple of uh, couple of minutes walk from King's Cross Station. So if you ever get to, to London. So we work with them. We work with uh, the Royal Philatelic Society London. 
um, all kinds of organisations really, um, just to put the magazine together, and that comes out every month. For an American collector who's maybe not familiar with stamp collector, can you explain sort of what the um, uh, what the content includes, what what hmm. level it's aimed at? Because um, again, but it, it, it's something that I, I think it's it's um, evidence of how vibrant and strong the the British philatelic scene is. Um, uh, you know that, that there is this magazine, but can you maybe sort of contextualize it for a U.S. collector a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, we're we're based in Britain, so we do have a focus on British stamps. Uh, so we'll report on the latest stamps uh, from the Royal Mail in every issue. Um, we'll try and cover at least one British subject, whether it's Victorian, you know, Edward VIII, whatever it is. Um, but I'm quite proud of the way we we um, kind of have a wide range of subjects. Um, so, you know, if you ask any collector what they collect, you know, I know you guys, um, was it Franklin D. Roosevelt's New Deal? That's that's my, okay. uh, my passion. <laughs> yeah. So if I ask another collector somewhere, they're not going to, they're probably not going to say the same thing. So for me that the, um, the trick is trying to cover as many subjects as possible, but make them interesting to people who probably aren't going to collect that. Or they might, you know, they might think, oh, well, I'm, you know, I may collect that or I might buy one or two stamps, but probably not going to specialise it in the way that the person writing the article is. So it's getting that wide range and that kind of reflects the diversity of the hobby, really. So we do cover a lot of US stamps. I, I have a bit of a soft spot for, for US stamps. Um, I, I, when I first started as editor, that was my that was going to be what I collected. Um, the kind of early pictorials, the Columbia Exposition, that kind of thing. I soon realised they're quite expensive. <laughs> um, so, and I also I also realised that um, because it's like a, a monthly um, monthly deadlines, you know, with producing a magazine every month, I will uh, receive an article, I'll edit it, put it in the magazine, we'll get it all ready, and I'll be so enthusiastic. I'm definitely going to collect that subject. That's fantastic. And then the next day, it's something else. So, um, which I guess is a bit like a lot of people who work within the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have time to, or, or the, the means to, to collect everything. So, um, so yeah, for an American collector, I'd say uh, we do cover everything around the world. Um, we often cover US stamps in there as well. And we also have um, articles and columns that are just generally about philately. Uh, so quite recently, we've introduced a column called Adventures of a Stamp Newbie. Um, and that's Laura McKearney. Um, she comes up with a subject and kind of gives a bit of a guide to it, how she's discovered it, but then asks questions. You know, how, how does this work? What, which one should I collect? And then readers come back to her uh, with feedback. So it's kind of that community feel that we we really enjoy um so yeah there's there's plenty to read whatever you collect and wherever wherever you are in the world really yeah i saw that i was looking at the uh, the all about stamps website last night and you guys have over 600 articles on stamp guides specifically between collecting different time periods individual issues or diving into unique one-of-a-kind items so it was was that because you were seeing a large demand for that kind of those kind of articles to be published? There were a lot of people looking for specific guides or was that something that you felt was a void that needed to be filled in the uh, 
stamp magazine world? Mm. Um, I, th- I, th- I think the, the website has definitely evolved. Um, you know, 10 years ago, it would have been a website for the magazine. Mm-hmm. Now um, it's it's a website in its own right. Um, it's something completely separate. Oh, okay. Obviously, we cross promote them and we send mm-hmm. people to to each uh, each platform. Um, but it's we wanted it to be something completely separate. So yeah, there was a demand um, for those kind of stamp guides. Um, so we're constantly building those. Um, you know, what once a week, um, every other day, kind of thing. We're we're adding stamp guides to that website. Yeah. Um, and obviously, there's a, a different demand for different kind of kind of uh, articles and different subjects but we try and cover everything and then share that with social media and our email newsletter which we send out so that just like reading the magazine you can kind of dip into different subjects even if you're not going to collect them you can kind of just say oh that sounds interesting and go over to the website and dip into it yeah it's a helpful tool i saw you guys also have a section on the website where there's um you can find a society in the mm-hmm. in the united kingdom there's different um links to the different societies and what they do the, do the societies reach out to you to get put on the website or is that something the research that you do uh on your own end to find societies and populate that um it's a bit of both uh really michael it's um a lot of the societies do contact us um, so they will send us news on a regular basis. Obviously, at the moment, a lot of them are not meeting as much as they did, or they're, yeah. they're finding things like Zoom, um, so that's working well for them. Um, but, yeah, they, they contact us, um, really, I think. And then one of, one of the big things that I'm working on at the moment, both in the magazine and on the website, um, is more of a kind of a community feel. So we have a new section in the magazine called Collector's Corner, um, which is more feedback from readers um it's got that newbie article in um society news and we're also doing a lot more competitions so one page competitions of philatelic displays so we're doing that that. yeah we did we did that um last year for a festival we ran called the summer of stamps so that was when we were in the right right in the midst of the kind of lockdown we kind of came up with that idea um, and that proved just so popular. We couldn't believe how many entries we got to those competitions. So we're doing that again. And that's something that reflects in the magazine as well. And it's also where um, in the magazine, in this collector's corner section, where we're going to put the article that you guys are going to write for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm sure this is the question you and I want, I want to get back to that in a moment. Mike, uh, sure. our, our continued working together. But, but one thing that I'm sure you're sick of being asked um, but I guess it's sort of the, the, the million dollar question these days. What are the challenges or the unique rewards of a print publication in the 21st century? Because obviously it, we're, we're sort of in a weird position where everything is going more digital. We're speaking digitally mm-hmm. on Zoom and that can't be ignored. But at the same time, this hobby is by its very definition tactile and tangible and physical. And yeah. it revolves around paper. So I think that you know, more so than, than other hobbies. If, if a magazine is going to survive anywhere, it may as well be within philately. So again, what are some of the challenges, but some of the rewards of, um, of, of having a, a physical medium uh, in the year 2021? I think that the challenges probably over, I don't know how many years, really, it's just like any other industry. A lot of stuff is moving online 
and people have to kind of reinvent themselves like this you know the, the sales of cds or things like that uh, it's just completely changed because of the internet so we've been as a company we produce lots of magazines we've been looking at that for years and i guess what's happened in the in the last year with the pandemic has it's it's kicked us two or three years further down the line really quickly so obviously the pandemic's horrible but but there are some there has been some some kind of benefits so in terms of the magazine we've seen subscriptions just go up and up and up um really kind of march april time we went into lockdown in the uk in march middle of march last year and from that point onwards um uh, subscriptions which have always kind of ticked on an upward scale oh. uh, which is encouraging but yeah. suddenly they've gone through the roof our website's gone through the roof and we also have a digital edition as well um and that's that's um really increasing in numbers um which is you know for us uh collectors that might be the best way to read the magazine um because they get it you know straight away mm-hmm. uh, rather than having to wait for the, the plane to arrive with the copies so at that's this rate, the- you're probably getting them months after they're published <laughs> to the us given our given our situation with the post yeah yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, just just the the pandemic, the way it's affected some of the deliveries to places like Australia as well, mm. and it's a, a lot longer than normal. Um, so yeah, so the digital edition's really t- taken off as well. So that was that's some of the kind of um, that's how we're ad- adapting to the new world, I guess. But it, for me, it's really reassuring to know that there's definitely a place for paper for a paper magazine. Um, so people are still buying it in the shops. They can still buy it via our website, and people do do that. Those sales have gone up as well, and that's really a result of most of the shops being closed because we've we've been in a lockdown. Um, but the subscriptions that going up that's that's really encouraging. We're trying to develop that so that we can bring in more benefits to subscribers, so they get the magazine but they'll get things on the website as well. So it becomes more of a kind of a membership. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where the, the future of magazines is headed. Well, this is something that you know, I, I go to bookstores all the time and, and there are very few coin publications on newsstands and no stamp publications whatsoever. Where can people pick up Stamp Collector uh, physically in the UK? Because I think this would be interesting for Americans to yeah. hear uh, by comparison. In the UK? Right. Where, where could I go if I didn't want to buy it online? Where could I go buy a copy in person? What sorts of shops would would stock it? Yeah. Well, the, the main one in the UK is WH Smiths, mm-hmm. uh, which is a major news agent. Uh, so that's where we sell probably seventy five percent of our copies. Oh, and wow. then it's in, independent news agents, um, some supermarkets. Um, it's incredible. Yeah. Stamp shops, that kind of thing. And I think. In terms of the US, I know we we do export copies, and I think the the majority of those are to Barnes and Noble. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, um, yeah. I'm not sure what other stores we do. Yeah, it's like the largest. Yeah, bookstore. That's amazing. That w. H. Smith again. The, yeah. As an American, this is uh, again. This is just proof that the British scene is uh, is is strong and vibrant, and um, just uh, you know. I, I, th- I think a lot of British collectors approach the hobby differently than American collectors, and we've noticed that with a lot of our British guests. Yeah. So where, where, so if you, obviously you are in the US. So where, where would you buy a, a magazine now if you, you wanted to? 
Uh, a stamp magazine uh, online. Yeah, online. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. A non-stamp magazine, Barnes & Noble, is, is mm-hmm. basically the, uh, the, yeah. the big one or, or a supermarket. But, um, yeah, in terms of stamp magazines on newsstands, it's um, – it's virtually the APS did did a um did something for a while where they would they would drop magazines in different newsstands for people to pick up and get interested that way but yeah i don't okay. think we can buy physical not, not to get into the minutia but my understanding is that because the APS is a society journal that yeah. has new membership information in it mm-hmm. you can't sell that at a newsstand because okay. it has people's okay. information in it so i think that's a big difference as well the, i i think an analog would be um, Lynn's in the U.S., which is a, hmm. a non-society general hmm. interest publication. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. That's yeah, so it's just so interesting. Yeah, I love learning the differences on both sides yeah. of the Atlantic. Yeah, it's fascinating. I think to me. So, if I can bring it back to probably the third sentence you said <laughs> quite some time ago, um, <laughs> when you talked about the, the stamp magazine and the coin magazine used to be one, and then they split. Hmm. So what fueled that decision? Was it more stamp collectors and coin collectors saying we want a magazine just for our own thing or or was it a decision on your end or uh um it was all of those really. It was a hard decision. Mm-hmm. Um it took took uh, probably a couple of years for us to kind of make that step. And um being honest, I think it was some of it was a commercial decision as well. Uh, obviously, the the magazine has advertising in it, um, and by having a a publication for coins and one for stamps, it it kind of felt. Uh, I think the advertisers, you know, the the stamp dealers and the coin dealers, felt that like like they had a magazine dedicated yeah. for them. Um, so that that was definitely part of it. But we did we did have a lot of, you know, I, I go to a lot of uh, events all over. Um, stamp X and all kinds of, of uh, stamp fairs and I'd often ask that question most of the readers would say to me I don't collect coins but yeah mm. it's interesting I do read it it's, it's quite interesting but it wasn't you know it's, it's not part of their hobby um, I think the thinking with the magazine initially before I even joined was that there is quite a, a close relationship be- between the two hobbies and that I mean there are you know some you look at some designs of coins and they're same design on a stamp mm-hmm. but yeah we we wanted to give both subjects more focus yeah uh, the focus they deserved really was there any difficulty in in changing the way that you presented articles or anything like that i imagined when you split a magazine that have two vast areas of of uh, kind of material to cover when you split it like that you either have to make it up with if you're trying to keep the same page count you've got to make it up with new articles so was there any new types of articles that you highlighted that you couldn't highlight before once that happened or did you um cut the size of the magazine for both of them in half no no we didn't do that so um i mean the the coin one as it was a completely new magazine okay um that was it's slightly smaller in pagination than, than the stamp one and it still is um it's doing so well as well the coin one so all that that kind of worry and a couple of sleepless nights about making that decision <laughs> it was it was definitely the right thing to do um so for stamp it was it was really exciting actually to have those extra pages mm-hmm. to dedicate this there's, there's just so much to cover right in philately there's so many subjects so um 
one of the things we introduced uh, was a section called philatelic focus, which is more the kind of um, perhaps a bit more academic um, aspect of, of collecting. So we have Nicola Davies, who looks after the collections at the Royal. Um, she writes for that and then pieces from the British Library, as I said. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the extra pages um, that were left by the coin moving moving over mm. was it, that was just brilliant i can i can cover a lot more now <laughs> so speaking of of covering things uh you graciously reached out to us <laughs> yes. to uh to to talk to us about an opportunity where where we would get to have um a column in the magazine highlighting our previous interviews from a few months before and the um i think charles mostly was going to pick up the writing of that column. I think you didn't leave me with much of a choice, Michael. It was, uh, (laughs) (laughs) no, it's an incredible opportunity. And I I think uh, my main takeaway from it, what I love about this idea is that you talk about how, you know, you've got the the website, the digital subscriptions, the print publication, all sort of coexisting. Hmm. And I think it's fun that, you know, our, our podcast, our YouTube videos are obviously very digital. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact yeah. that they can sort of coexist within this print space as well, I think, shows how tied together, um, you know, these seemingly uh, disparate media can be. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of fun to to sort of marry the digital podcast with the the printed magazine is a is an exciting opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's very exciting um, to have you on board. And I think I think what um, again, it's coming back to that community. And having so many different philatelic organisations and just different people all involved in whether it be the website or the magazine. Um, so, and that's kind of what you guys are doing with these videos. Uh, you're bringing, to, you know, you're speaking to so many different people. So, for our readers to hear about the people you've been speaking to, that's, you know, that's just fantastic. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to it. I think it'll be fun to, uh, you know, hopefully drive our listeners to the magazine and, and hopefully readers of the yeah. magazine will. I, I think, again, that sort of cross-pollination, um, again, this hobby. And, and when you talk about, the, you know, the, the, the pandemic sort of put you two to three years ahead mm-hmm. of where you would have been otherwise. I think that this, um, again, this amalgamation of, um, of all these different platforms, whether it's people on Twitter or YouTube, reading a magazine, writing letters to the editor of a magazine. It's fun that it can all coexist. It's not a binary between one or the other. I think this shows that, um, you know, there's room for, for all of us with what we do. And I think that's, that's really, again, that's what excites me the most about it. Yeah. yeah and it really shows how, how, sorry, Michael, it shows how vibrant Philately is, how stamp collecting is. And I think that's, that's something that's come out over the last, um, few months as well with, with things like your project and um, just uh, you know virtual Stampex and the stuff the APS have been doing it's all um, it's all been a reaction to not being able to meet in person but it's also made the world a bit of a smaller place in some mm. ways so yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a positive there as well yeah and and it's something that we we have talked about multiple times is is even after this this whole thing and when we go back to being able to meet in person that we're looking forward to doing in-person interviews and i think that yeah, the tactile feel of that itself if if you will uh it will will pair quite nicely to uh 
you, you, because it uh, the columns because it then doesn't only become about the interviews it becomes about the experience of conducting the interview in person at a show or on location yep, yep. somewhere else and that's an experience that people watching the videos might not be able to to see or to to feel because we'll have sort of kind of a behind the scenes look of that yeah that sounds great and that i think that's something a lot a lot of people have said to me is is how the zoom calls and these kind of virtual events have been really fantastic but if in the future we can embrace both those and meeting face to face you know we yeah. shouldn't um do one or the other no, as soon as we're uh, allowed back into the UK and as soon as there's an event uh, to go to, well, you know, maybe perhaps the big show next year, um, we, we'd, we'd love yeah. to do something with you in person. It would be fun to have the same yeah. conversation, but but sitting down, the three of us around a table would, uh, would would be really fantastic as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. So can I, shifting gears a little bit, can I talk a little bit or can I have you talk a little bit about how many people you have at the magazine? So it sounds like you've got a, a number of people f- writing freelance articles as well, but how many people do you have directly working for the magazine? Um, we're quite a small team. So uh, there's me. We have a team of designers. Um, mm-hmm. So they work on other magazines as well um but it's it's interesting how you know all, all the different elements of of people um you know we have a, a marketeer doing the marketing we have a ad sales person sarah who speaks to the traders you know gets their adverts in the website email magazine um so there's probably about four or five of us mm-hmm. that, that you know that work on the magazine on a full-time basis um and yeah it's it's really it's really cool that even though these guys aren't stamp collectors they've all kind of got bitten by the bug a little bit so our designer Mm -hmm. nathan you know he we haven't been in the office for nearly a year now um but in the office you know he's got a next to his computer he's got a drawer with some stamp albums in and he'll often like kind of get them out and or he'll see something in the magazine and say matt can you get me that so um so yeah, it's 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 cool. We're all really enthusiastic about it. That's fantastic. But, so it it sounds like the core of the content is created by the collectors on the field yeah. themselves. So it's really yes. a magazine built by collectors for collectors, which I think exactly. is just a terrific yeah. initiative. Yeah. Yeah. So we 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 have um, we have regular freelancers that will write in every issue of the magazine, um, but then we'll have. You know, there may be a collector who just has a an, an exhibit on a particular theme and he wants to write um, something for that. It may be that a society uh, wants to contribute. So it's really, as you say, yeah, it's written by, by collectors for collectors. That's good. I might write that down. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Are there any articles or interactions you've had that, that's, I mean, obviously over the course of your time with the magazine, that, that there's countless words that have been printed but are there one or two to you that that stand out as particularly memorable or again you talk about how certain certain articles will just jog your your interest is there anything that stands out from your time with the magazine as just the um the the highlight or the thing that changed the way you look at the hobby what what are the uh maybe one or two articles that that stand out to you the most when you reflect on again all of the 
millions of words that have been printed. Yeah, yeah, there's so many. Um, I tried to work out the other day how many uh, editors' intros I've, I've written at the front of the magazine. Um, it was it was a lot, hundreds. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just so many. Um, I mean, one of, one of the big big things when I first, probably a year into my role, um, was going down to St James's Palace in London and, and seeing the Queen's, the, the Royal Philatelic Collection. So that was something um, that kind of really opened my eyes to how kind of prestigious um, collections can be. Um, and also... Uh, it was it was interesting just just to um, just to see obviously see the collection all the shelves, but right on the top there was some boxes, um, and one of them just said I think it said uh, Anne's first day covers, so that was Princess Anne's first day cover collection I presume. Um, so that just kind in of, a box up on the shelf. <laughs> it was yeah I don't know if I should say that maybe it should have been uh, maybe it was waiting to get sorted. Um, uh, you know, most of the Queen's stuff was much better uh, presented and in, in, uh, very securely stored. Um, but it, that just opened my eyes to kind of how, I guess, how ubiquitous stamp collecting is, how many people do it, you know, even mm-hmm. uh, the royal family um, do it. So that that was a really good experience. Um, and that was with the keeper of the Royal Philatelic Collection, Michael Seffi, at that time. I don't know if you know Michael, but he's, uh, he was really nice. Um, really friendly and helpful. I think people have an impression of stamp collecting a lot. And then when you tell them that you saw the Queen's collection or you went to a, a show, you know, well, we, I traveled to London for a stamp show and people are blown away by by that. I think there's a, a sort of common misconception that stamp collecting is insular or yeah. uh, old fashioned or uh, boring. But yeah, when, when you get invited to something like the Queen's, I'm sure you told non-stamp collectors that and they were. Oh, yeah. Certainly yeah, blown away that you got to see, you know, uh, Queen Elizabeth's stamps. Yeah. And then and then um, uh, I was very lucky to be invited to the opening of the, the Royals new premises. Um, that was probably about a year ago now. And the Queen, the Queen opened them. So I was, you know, stood in the room when she walked in. That was a real amazing experience um, to be there. I mean, other, other uh, things... I think with um, modern stamps as well, one of one of the memories I have is uh, the Royal Mail issued a set of stamps showing footballers, mm. so soccer stars, I guess. Soccer you know, players. Yeah. Soccer players. Um, <laughs> Mike, Michael's on your side of that linguistic. Uh, oh, are you? Yeah, I was actually uh, born in London myself. My, my okay. mother's side of the family is there. I we came over when I was two years old, so I didn't get the accent, but... Um, but, but yeah. he still calls it football. But I call, still call it football. I follow Chelsea uh, pretty. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, sorry. Well, never mind. <laughs> it's been nice chatting. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that was um, that was a really good memory because they launched the stamps at Wembley Stadium, mm-hmm. um, and most of the people on the stamps, the, the players, were there. So I got to meet. Oh wow. Um, you know, Bobby Charlton, um, Brian Robson. I don't know if you know these names. Dennis Law was amazing. Um, but on that day, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson had just announced that he was leaving Man United. Mm. So suddenly what became a, a, a press event to launch some stamps right. became every newspaper 
Right. Sports writer in the country trying to interview these these players. Yeah. So um yeah, I remember um you know being sat down with Brian Robson, who was the captain of England for, for a long time, mm-hmm. and wanted to ask him about the stamps and everyone else uh, around me was from you know, the Times and the Sun and, yeah. and they just wanted to know about Alex Ferguson. So it was um it was really interesting. I'm not sure if if the Royal Mail thought it was a success or not. It kind of got hijacked that way. Yeah. Um, and I actually, I walked out of Wembley um, with Jimmy Greaves, who is a, he was a striker and he played, he played for Chelsea actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and he played for Spurs and I support Spurs. So that was, that was oh, okay. amazing to think, you know, I've come <laughs> down um, in my role as a editor of a stamp magazine and I'm walking out of Wembley with one of my heroes. Yeah. So yeah, that was fantastic. That's an incredible story. Um, that, that's going to make this Michael's favorite uh, yeah, conversation, most definitely <laughs> that we've ever had. And I apologize that a lot of it's lost on me as a uh, ignorant <laughs> American. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it, you've talked about what what your favorite was, but do you know what the most popular uh, article or? published um publications it's a good question is there something that you've gotten a lot of feed you know maybe an unexpected success where you published it just thinking it was a a normal run-of-the-mill article and you you heard a lot from people what what has sort of surprised you in terms of the feedback you get um i think i think a lot of the uh british articles we often get feedback on and that's you know i guess that's natural because the majority of our readers are British. Something we often get um, feedback on is when we do articles that are, say, about the hobby more generally. Um, so, for example, we just recently in our December issue, we did a big feature on uh, the COVID pandemic and how it's affected collecting. So we spoke to people all around the world, um, people like Heidi from the APS, um, uh-huh. some post offices, that kind of thing. And that, that's when we often get a lot of feedback because it's different people's views on the hobby, the future of the hobby, uh, what's working, what isn't. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of other other articles. There's just been so many. There's just so many. Um, it's a good problem we, to have. Yeah, it is. There's always there's always something to cover. Uh, we did a an errors special issue mm-hmm. a few years ago, and that got a, a lot of feedback as well, people sharing the the error stamps that they've got in their collection. And I, I, I don't know why, but I, I just love errors. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially the, you know, if there's uh, missing ink um, and it just, you know, there's one of the, I think in British stamps, there's a 60 stamp with the post office tower on it, but there's mm-hmm. an error where the tower isn't there. Um, so it's I funny love, these I love kind these of things po- like that. These post offices spend so many millions of dollars and so many man hours to get everything perfect, and then we focus on the <laughs> the few times that they yeah. screw up. Yeah, yeah, they probably. I'm don't sure, know. they love that. Yeah, yeah. Or was it a, a U.S. stamp where there was a mistake and the the postmaster printed millions more? I think. I'm to... Yeah, there was um, uh, in the 19 early 60s. I want to say um, Dag Hammarskjöld. Hammers- yes, that's was it. the uh, he was the yeah. the leader of the United Nations. That's right. And they found, it was a, 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 the stamp had a yellow background printed behind him. Mm-hmm. And somebody found, I think one or two panes where the yellow backgrounds had been printed inverted. And 
hoping to not replicate the infamy of the inverted Jenny and other errors, they very quickly flipped the printing plates around and said, let's run off as many of the errors as the real ones to try to, you know, um, uh, beat the speculative collectors to the punch. Yeah. So yeah, the, the error is as common as the, the genuine yeah. stamp now, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> they, I, even today, I don't think they would try something that bold to intentionally right. misprint no, millions no, of postage no. stamps. <laughs> no, no. Um, but yeah, yeah, I love, I love errors. That would, that was a, a really popular one as well. So yeah, there's, there's just so much. So much recover. Perfect. Part that, yeah, I mean that's that's great to get feedback. It's such positive feedback about everything that you're doing that you can't even point a put a finger on what <laughs> is the most popular thing. <laughs> My last question, it's sort of a two parter. Did you have any experience with stamp collecting before you came into your role? Did you have any? Um, you know, did a grandfather or, or um, any other family member collect? Did you have any exposure to it as a young person? No, not really. Um, we uh, collected, uh, my sister, my sisters and I collected. My dad would often uh, travel around the world with his job. So he'd send us postcards and letters and we'd collect the stamps that way. So I can remember going to our, um, our parents' friends and talking to their kids and they had all the cancel to order stamps you know, they had hundreds and we thought, what What are we doing wrong? We've only got, you know, a few pages because that's all dad sent us. Yeah. So, um, so that was a bit of a... So you had I, some awareness of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've still got stamp albums upstairs that I, you know, from, from when I was a kid. So I was, I was well aware of it, but, but coming into the role um, wasn't from a philatelic angle. It was from a, you know, a journalist angle. So my, my question to you then is what has been the most surprising thing that you've learned about stamp collectors or about the hobby? What, what, um, is there one thing that just uh, jumps out at you as, um, some, again, you talk about visiting the queen's collection. I would imagine that was not something you anticipated when you were, you know, collecting postcards from, from your father as a, as a child. But is there, is there something about the hobby that stuck out to you or something maybe you, um, you know, you tell to, um, non-stamp collecting friends of yours as a uh you know a, a fun is, is there something that, that was unexpected for you um i think that the the value of some stamps is probably uh, something that leapt out at me when i first uh, started we have um pages in the magazine where we update on the latest auction results um so i remember looking at that first and having to double check all the figures <laughs> make sure the zeros are in the right place Yeah, exactly and they were um so that that immediately leapt out on me and just just uh, how you know, just how rare some stamps are and how i've been lucky enough you know to see some of those um mm. up close um that's that's definitely been something that left an impression on me i think when i first started and went to fairs um Perhaps I was a little bit apprehensive. I didn't know what to expect and just how friendly collectors are um, really, you know, put me at ease and uh, didn't surprise me. I wasn't expecting them to be anything else um, <laughs> particularly, but it, it, it really did. It was, it was so reassuring and nice to, to, to know that, that collectors and traders are all there to kind of help you and, and um, are so positive about it and want, want to spread that, that word about stamp collecting as well. 
so there, there's a couple of couple of things I can think of. This has been fantastic. We've really yeah. enjoyed this, and and we look forward to so a, a continued relationship. Again, now that yeah. we're we're kicking things off, we um we're we're excited to be a part of the magazine and and to do whatever we can. We'll put links in the description, obviously. Oh, yeah. Really quick for for people, especially in America, who want to read Stamp Collector, what what can they do? What's uh, um what's sort of the the elevator pitch for them to go subscribe? <laughs> Oh, well, well, well. As I say, the digital edition is probably the best bet. It's going to be cheaper um, for you, and you'll get it straight away. In fact, you'll get it probably before it's in the shops, even in the UK, because um, we can put it live straight away. Uh, we do put videos in there as well. So we have uh, Richard Morell, who works at the British Library. Mm-hmm. He's kindly done a series of videos on a particular stamp or a particular collection. We put those into the digital edition. Um, sometimes we have image galleries, that kind of thing. So that's a really good a good way to read the magazine. If you do want to get it print, you can, and we can we can send that over to you. Um, so all the information is on allaboutstamps.co.uk. Great, perfect. Well, thank you so much uh, for thanks for, for having taking the time out. Yeah, yeah. I hope you have a good day. We're really looking so. forward to to absolutely everything. Yeah, it'd be great. Uh, you know, once once the uh, the lockdown and the world's a little bit saner, if you mm-hmm. guys come over to to England, it'd be great to meet up and yeah, do it in person. Let's, let's count on it. That would be fantastic. Definitely yeah. looking forward to it. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Speak soon. Talk to you soon. Yeah. You too. Bye. Bye. I thought that was really great, and I want to reiterate, I wasn't just saying it because Matt was with us. I am really excited for us to have a column in an actual print magazine. Um, I actually, while we were talking, I hope nobody noticed me glance at my phone, um, but I texted my girlfriend, Olivia, who lives in the UK. And I was like, you can go to WH Smith and buy a magazine that I'll have a column in. (laughs) And I thought she'd be a lot more impressed than she was. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I was like, every month you have to go buy this magazine because this is exciting, again, for us to be able to have a presence in a physical magazine and not mm-hmm. simply exist in the digital ether is yeah. uh, is really cool. It it almost feels like we're returning back to some form of before all of this happened. I think we should transition not even have a podcast anymore, just go to writing articles, just go to just interviewing go people. Yeah, we can uh, uh, really, really interview really people, we don't record people. Exactly, we interview people, type up the interview <laughs> and then publish it in a magazine. This is the the future. Yeah. Yeah, of future is with no. philatelists. Future is um, 1950. Speaking of so, the digital ether, there's something else we have to talk about before we part ways today. Um, we yeah. we were honored to receive a PTS award, and this hobby went from having like zero awards ceremonies to having mm-hmm. two of them. And we are nominated <laughs> for a chatty award. Yeah, through the American Philatelic Society. This is for people who participated in their stamp chats mm-hmm. over the course of the last year. There are, I think, seven different categories. I believe um, so. Yeah, which which we are nominated in, as well as um, people like Graham Beck, who has been, you know, people who have been on our show are also nominated. Right. So um, don't I think just Graham is for, hosting them as well. He is hosting them, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. With um with, with Heidi, Heidi from yeah. the APS. So don't just vote for us, but definitely do vote for us. <laughs> yeah, and we'll put a link to that below, but uh, definitely check out everybody else who's been nominated. Absolutely. Because- I, 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 I'm joking. This is not a call. You know, vote vote yeah. your conscience. Yeah. Um, you know, we, it's all just you and you and your vote in the in the um, in the booth when you mm-hmm. go to vote. So um, 
vote your conscience. We would love if you voted for us. We would love if you voted for anybody, really, though. So I, I think more more so than um, voting for us, it's about participating in the hobby, mm-hmm. showing the APS that people care about, uh, you know, who's out there. I, I think showing your support and and casting a vote for anybody, right. us is um, is really important. Right. Yeah. Well, because the what's so great is the APS still hosts these. Uh, the things that people are being awarded for on their YouTube channel. So, you can and go back and watch them after the fact. Go, it's great. Yeah, you can go back, watch them, decide which one you like the most. I, you I, can go back, watch all of them in all the categories, and then yeah. still go vote for us. <laughs> no, there's there's some and a couple other. Um, notably, uh, Casey Joe White, her, her stamp chat on the locals – I, I watched. I really enjoyed um, going through the nominees. I was there were some that I had watched and some that I had been meaning to watch, and then others mm-hmm. that I just I missed. You know, maybe after I deleted Facebook, I stopped getting the notifications yeah. as frequently. And I was like, "Ooh, I've got to go check that out because there mm-hmm. are a lot of excellent programs that they've hosted yeah. in the last year." Um, so I, again, even if you just scroll through the nominees as a means of inspiration of what to watch, exactly. I think that the Chatty Awards are um, uh, are fantastic. It's a great idea. We are honored to be nominated, mm-hmm. and we're going to keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. So the voting for that ends January 31st, and they're announcing on Facebook Live, Heidi and Graham are announcing the winners on February 4th. Uh, we'll put links to everything. We'll put links to yeah. And if anything, Michael and I said is incorrect. If there's not seven categories or any, well, no, I think there be... are seven categories. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But in link, links will be below as well as a link to uh, be able to subscribe to Stamp Collector. Absolutely. Which I urge everyone to do. In fact, there's a digital edition. Don't have to worry about postage or Mm -hmm. shipping times or whatnot, I think is great. And you get bonus content like videos. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. What more could you want? Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, okay, links to the Chatty Awards and Stamp Collector down below. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I think that's all we've got. We're on all the usual podcast services Apple, Google, Spotify. Uh, We're on YouTube. We have a website that is flatlypodcast.com. Next week, uh, we're going to read a couple more of the letters we've received. We've gotten some yeah. great notes from people, which I love. So we'll get back to that. But in the meantime, Michael, this has been awesome as always. I really yeah. enjoyed talking to Matt, and uh, we'll do it again in a couple of days. Yeah. See you then. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>